listen, I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. I feel like the Lord has laid something on my heart specifically for you. As we were on the way to church this morning, my mother picked me up because she decided, she said, I'm going to be your armor bearer this morning. I said, all right, mama. You know, I, I was armor bearer for you my whole life, so I mean, it's really cool that you're doing it for me. So as we're driving up, we're talking and we got to preaching to one another and we're in tears and speaking in tongues on the way here. So isn't it good that you have a mother and is anybody thankful for mothers that pray over you and speak in tongues over your life and care about you? Come on, if you got a mother that loves Jesus that you're grateful for this morning, okay, I'm going to give you a quick heads up. I'm a talk back kind of person. So everybody say, I'm here, I'm alive, and we're going to have fun. All right, so I'm excited because I was talking to Pastor Jeff about what we were going to talk about this morning, and the Lord had laid on my heart a passage of scripture that talks in in John chapter 7, and it's about this woman, excuse me, John chapter 4, and it's about this woman at the well. You guys have heard this story, right? Where Jesus meets this woman as he's on his way going to a location. On the way, he stops off at this location, and he finds this one specific lady. And in John chapter 4, verse 7 through 24 is where we get this passage. And what he's talking about in this moment, he begins this conversation with this woman at the well. He begins to talk to her about something natural. And he begins to talk to her about this well. And this well in this moment had historical value in their lives and their forefathers Jacob, who the, whose well it was, was, had significant moments with this well in their lives. And so when he went there, he naturally contacted her first to get a hold of her supernatural. What God will do with our lives is he'll introduce the natural to connect to your supernatural. Is anybody with me this morning? Is that he'll connect with us in the natural so that he can tap into the supernatural who we really are. Because we understand that we are spirit, correct? Is anybody with me this morning? Say, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. See, what we understand in this Christian world is we've been so desensitized to our spirit, who we really are. So therefore, it's hard for us to notice when Jesus walks in the room when we're in a worship setting, who the author and finisher of our faith is. Hard for us to notice because we've tapped out of who we are as spirit. So when he walks in the room, we go, man, I feel these goosebumps. Man, something feels good. I I don't know what that is, but, but I know something's going on here. So we so easily get disconnected in our lives because God's trying to connect with us on the natural to get you to the supernatural. Somebody say amen with me this morning. All right, so if we look at it and we start in John chapter 4 and verse 7, when we first start this off, God gave me this whole passage in the in the connection to taking a flight. Has anybody been on an airplane before? Y'all been on an airplane? When you get on the flight, what I hate about flights, I don't know if it's just me, but I hate when you get off the flight, you know, when you're landing, and this does happen to me, when you get off the flight and you're in the back section and the flight stops and everyone stands up, listen, and somebody's right next to you and you feel like a hip bone, we'll just call it a hip bone, on your shoulder, dear Jesus, can you move, Lord, I'm praying right now just so I can stay in the spirit because this lady is on my arm right now. That's just a pet peeve. But God gave me this 
in conjunction to a flight because we're talking about when God, when Jesus talked to the woman at the well, he talked to her about something natural, the well, but he was actually trying to get to her the understanding of worship. Everybody say worship. The thing is, is that worship, the hard part about worship, it is the only place where God desires and says that you have to connect with him through your spirit. Because in verse 24 of that passage, he says, God is a spirit and he seeks those to worship him in spirit and in truth. So when we come to God, we naturally connect through the flesh because we go, man, this song is playing. I love that song. This is a great song. And then the singer starts hitting that note, like, let's get it twisted. Hallelujah. You know, she was up there. But what happens is they connect. We try to connect naturally when God's trying to get you to understand, listen, who you really are is who I'm trying to connect with, and that is your spirit. Anybody, if you have your pen and paper, your phones with you, I want you to write this down because... If it is important enough for it to be said to you by God through the Spirit, then it's important enough for us to be able to recall this information. Is anybody with me this morning? Said it's important enough, if it's important enough for God to get it to you, then it's important enough for us to be able to recall it. When my wife tells me information, I'd better remember that or else we're going to have a problem in a few minutes. You know, you ever get home and your wife says, hey, I need you to do X, Y, Z, and you go, uh, yeah, I got it. And then she comes back and goes, did you do it? And I go, wait, what was that? Remind me because I don't, I don't want to answer wrong. Is anybody with me in that? Husband say amen. Okay, I'm making sure you're out here. I'm making sure. So in that, we understand that in that very moment when God was trying to connect with us in worship, he's explaining worship. One of the things that we realized is that in this passage, this woman who he comes up to was a Samaritan. History of the Samaritan. They claimed to be a descendant of the Israelites. But the Israelites at that time didn't claim them as a people. They claimed to be a part of a team that didn't want them. Everybody say strike one. Strike two. This woman was a woman. In this time and period, they did not say that women were worth being able to speak in public. They weren't allowed to, to not wear shawls on their head. They couldn't wear makeup. They couldn't wear jewelry. They were not allowed to do so many things because they were women. Everybody say strike two. Then strike three in this moment was she was the 12 o'clock girl. Meaning that she had to go to the well at 12 o'clock. Everybody else for their family would go and get these five-gallon bushels, and they would fill them up with water, and then they would take them back to their family early in the morning because it's hot. Anybody know the heat? Listen, I'm from Florida, and it's hot. Like with two Ts, hot. <laughs> so she was a 12 o'clock girl, and the 12 o'clock girl, the reason why she had to do it at 12 o'clock was because she was an outcast. She couldn't go with the other people because they had to cast her out because she was, if you will, my mother used to say she's fast, meaning she was kind of a floozy, you know. My mother would say, that girl's fast, don't. My mom's right here too. She, that's her word. She would say fast. I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, is she a quick runner? What does that mean? She run a 4-2-40? She was fast. And so... She had to go at a different time because she couldn't be with the rest of the group. So that was strike three. Everybody say strike three. 
Listen, isn't it good that we serve a God that still takes us when we have strike three? Isn't it good that we serve a God who still chases after us and waits for us in the moment when we don't look like we're worth it, but he waits by the well, sends everybody else on, and says, listen, I've got an appointment with this person. Strike three happened for her, and Jesus said, I still want you. Strike three happened for this young lady. And Jesus says, listen, you guys go. I got something I got to do. I've got to wait for this woman to give me water when he was the spring of life. He didn't need her water. Come on. He didn't need what she had to give him. But she needed what he had. Everybody say point number one. I ain't even preaching yet. We ain't even got to the good stuff. Come on. Everybody say point number one. There is, when we talk about worship, there is no I in worship. Everybody's looking at me like, wait, what? what? I know how to spell. There's an I in there. Listen, there is no I in the context of what you give. It's not about you. When we worship, your worship is all to God. Everything that we do in worship has to be about him because, listen, the moment that you start to think in I, you start to think out of spirit. So when you're out of spirit, you're out of your conversing voice that talks to Jesus. When you start talking through your flesh, God can't hear that. Why? Because God's spirit. So the language that he speaks is spirit. So the language that he'll converse with you will be, somebody say spirit. Here's why. Because what happens is we know in the book of Matthew where Jesus talks to this man called Thomas, his disciple, he said doubting, he called, they call him doubting Thomas now because he said, blessed is he who has seen Thomas because you've seen, but more blessed is he who believes who has not seen. You see, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is sight because you don't have to believe anymore once you see it. The moment you have to put eyes on it, you don't have to believe anymore. It's now made in your life real to you. You have to believe for it before you see it. That's why God says, I am the, this is the substance of things hoped for. Because you have to believe it before you see it in your life. So what God's telling us in this moment is that when we come into him and we are coming into worship, the first step, this is the only place that God says, I desire those to worship me in spirit and in truth, we have to begin to connect and turn off this flesh. The moment we walk in, that's the runway moment where you get up into the air. Is when you get on the flight, here's the hard part. The hardest part about the flight is the takeoff. Why? Because if you sit next to the engines, you hear that person who's singing off key, and they're going, Jesus, you're awesome. You hear Jesus right here. Right? The moment you kind of, you, you set in your heart and you say, listen, I'm going to connect with Jesus in this moment as I walk in here. That person sings louder. You're four rows back. How can I? I don't under. We're in B flat. Why are you? I don't get. I don't get it. 
The moment you decide to connect is the moment that the enemy jumps up and says, you know what? I don't think you really like this song, do you? Why is it that on the way to church the most fights happen? Why is it that when you're in the car, kids don't act right when they're driving? They are hitting each other. Man, I remember this one time. My brother's been here too. I remember this one time we got in a fight, and I was like, I think I was real young, and I got this apple from church, this red apple. It was beautiful. And I was like, I cannot wait to get home, for I am going to eat this fruit. I was going to love it. So my brother told me, yo, G, stay in the car. Uh, no. I jumped out of the car, ran, playing my friends. Hey, we're playing, we're playing, we're playing. I got back to the car, and the apple was turned backwards. And I was like, hmm. I grabbed it to see this huge chunk bitten out of my apple. Can I tell you that the fire of the Lord rose upon me? And after that moment, commenced royal rumble in our van. He's like eight years on me. I was like, I don't care, bruh. I'm going, ah. Y'all seen the windmill throws where like you just let them loose? That's what, that's what came upon me. I windmilled. How come that those moments happen before you're getting ready to get in contact with Jesus? How come those moments happen before you and your husband or your wife begin this argument and you talk about stuff that you wouldn't talk about and the enemy has this plan so that when you get here, you're still thinking about yourself rather than what you can give to Jesus because what happens is when you give to Jesus, the next step happens, which is point two. Everybody say point two. Point two is, listen, when you get up in the air during your flight, listen real closely. During your flight, you experience and find out what you happen to be above. Because what happens in those moments is you're connecting with Jesus. So when you're connecting with Jesus, you're having conversations about who you are because he's the author and finisher of your faith. Therefore, he knows every hair that's counted on your head. So when you get in contact with him, he begins to pour out who you are. So you find out a revelation of that moment. But what that in-flight moment is for is so that when you leave that moment, you operate in those things that you learned when you were in the air. So that's why when we have these moments where we're with Jesus, in these confining moments where you're praying and you're, you're quiet before the Lord and he's talking to you, he's speaking into your spirit. And he's speaking and talking to you and telling you. And that's why when you're in those moments, you have these moments where you go, God, I'm going to do X, Y, Z after this. It's because he wants you to address X, Y, Z when you leave that moment. So what happens is you find out what you're above. See, there's a law that happens called lift when you're flying. And lift is this. The definition is this. An airfoil generates lift by exerting a downward force on the, on the wing as the air flows past, therefore inducing lift. Somebody in here needs to know that the opportunity that you're, you're facing, that downward pressure that you're facing, may not be because the enemy's pressing against you. It simply may be because God's trying to get you to lift higher. It may not be have anything to do with the enemy coming against you. It may be 
that God wants you to manage more so you can lift higher. In Genesis, when it says God created the heavens and the earth, and he began to do all of that, at the end in that chapter, it says God withheld the water because there was no one on earth to maintain the sea. God will withhold production in our lives until we're able to maintain what he's trying to give you. So in that, that that opposition that's pressing against causes us to lift higher. The more the opposition is the more the soaring. So you've got to realize this. Listen, on your way into church, on your way into opportunities to worship the Lord, you've got to realize, man, is this pressure because I'm about to get into the presence of God and God's about to take me somewhere that I've never been? Is this pressure because the enemy's trying to come against me? Is this pressure because I'm trying to move from where I am to where God's called me to be? We've got to look at it and see literally what God's doing in those moments. So the opposition causes even greater the lift. Somebody say lift. The opposition causes for greater of the lift. So the thing is, is during your flight, you're operating in the law called lift. But meanwhile, there's people that are operating in another law on earth which is called gravity. And the gravitational pull, you now are exempt from because of the law of lift. So while you're in the law of lift and you're up X X amount of thousand feet into the air, somebody comes on the radio and says, on the intercom and says, this is your pilot speaking. You like that? That didn't work on me. This is your pilot speaking. We are now cruising at a comfortable 11,000 feet. And in a moment, somebody's going to come around with tuna. You don't have to eat them if you're allergic to tuna. Somebody's going to come around with tuna. And we'll give you a refreshing beverage. Only half of it, though, because the cups are small. You'll drink it and be refreshed. Enjoy the flight. Oh, watch your elbows. If you're a big guy, that card hits them all the time. That's another one of my pet peeves. I sit in the middle aisle. I'm too big. They hit it. I'm trying to sleep. Anybody else do that? I have to get a window seat on purpose. People are like, you're smushed in there. All right, I can sleep in there. No one's hitting my elbows. So what happens in that moment is, listen, the intercom comes on, and they tell you. They forewarn you about what's to come. And John Where God says, where Jesus says, the spirit of truth will come, and he will tell you of things that are to come. So when you have communication with him, he's able to show you things that are to come, but it doesn't happen unless you get out of yourself, get into the lift area. Now you're in the presence of him. He can come on the intercom and tell you what's about to happen in your life. That's why the enemy's trying to stop that moment so you can't have communication. So he comes on the intercom and he says, listen, we're about to experience some turbulence. It's okay. Because the turbulence that's coming will fly through this storm. 
The thing that we need to know is while you're in the storm, five minutes ago, you heard a voice on the intercom say, we're going to hit this. And when we hit this storm, we're not going around it, but we're going to get through it to the other side of it. And as you get through, rest assured, you may have to buckle up a little bit. You may have to hold on a little bit, but we're going to get through this. Somebody in here needs to know that that opposition that's coming into your life, you're going to get through because you heard his voice. See, that's where the issue is. You've got to. That's why it's so important when we come in here and we worship. Because the Bible says that Jesus, God, inhabits the praises of his people. Inhabits meaning he's right there. So when he's right there, and Isaiah says, get a hold of the Lord while he's nearby. So if he's right there, we need to talk to him to find out, Lord, what's coming? Because I don't know what's coming. Because you're a, he's a guide. And a guide can't show you anywhere he hasn't been. So the good part about him being our guide is that we know that he's in yesterday, he's in today, and he's in our tomorrow. So as you're going through the storm, whatever that storm looks like, because each person has a different one that looks like something else, whatever your storm looks like, when you're walking through that thing, you got to know that you've got a guide that's already been there. He's already been through it. He already knows about it. And so that's the fact that the matter is if we learn how to get out of ourselves and we learn how to step into this moment where we're talking to Jesus, he tells you the laws that you're above. You're operating in the law of lift. But if you begin to see you're above the law of sin and death, you're above the law of sickness and disease, you're above these laws that are trying to get a hold of your life, poverty and lack. You're above these laws uh, that are trying to get a hold of your life and getting you off the course. Why? Because you have communication with the Father who knows your tomorrow, who knows how to get you through it, who knows and has been there. So therefore, you can walk through whatever it is because you have communication with the Father. That's why the enemy tries to fight it. That's why he tries to get you in this moment when you walk in and you worship. See, the thing about worship, what he's saying in this passage, the thing about worship is he's trying to get you to see that if you would connect with him, you're above some laws. I got to show you this verse so you guys can see it. In John chapter 4 and verse 9. Jesus has already been talking to the woman. And the first step, the reason why, man, I got to show you that first verse too. Man, I'm just getting so excited because I didn't show you the first verse. You got to see this. You got to see this first verse. Hold on. In John chapter 4 and verse 724, this is the part where we said we got to get out of I. This is where God showed me this and I noticed it that I hadn't seen before. Soon the Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. The first part of worship is it requires something out of yourself. The first part of worship is it requires you 
to connect with him through your spirit. It requires you not to say, here's the hardest part about it, not to say I anything. True worship removes the word I. Because when you're saying I, you're now looking at internally yourself. Therefore, you're being selfish and it's impossible to get to the Lord when you're now reserved in what you want, need, and desire. The essence of love is faith losing yourself and investing everything that you have into someone, something else. That's the essence of love. In marriage, marriage isn't 50-50. Us married people know what it's like. I didn't know that when I was younger. I was like, oh, you know, you tell me you give your 50, they give you 50 equals 100. That was stupid. Because your husband and your wife, they want everything. It's the truth. And we, they, here's the thing, they deserve everything. And so we have to give everything. It's not a 50-50 deal. It's 100-100. And so in that, God re- requires us to give that. So in this, in verse 4, the woman was, or excuse me, verse 9, it says this. The woman was surprised for the Jews would have nothing to do with the Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? Again, the Israelites, the Jews, they didn't accept the Samaritans. And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift that was in front of you, you would ask me. And I would give you living water. He was trying to get her to see what she could operate in, in communication with him. He was trying to get her to see the laws that she could apply after that moment. Because the Bible says that when you get this living water, it's going to be a well. So you don't need this natural well because this well that I'm going to give to you is going to spring up eternal life. So he's trying to connect with her in the natural to get her to see the supernatural in that moment. And that's the thing is that we miss that because oftentimes we don't realize what God's trying to do. And the fact of the matter is, is if we as a people, as the body of Christ, would learn to worship this way, we would learn how to connect with God in another level. See, the thing is, the word worship comes from two words, worth and ship. The fact of the matter is, is that we look at worship being the thing. When it's not the thing, Jesus is the thing. The ship meaning it's a transportation vehicle that gets you to the presence of God. It's not about the worship. It's a vehicle that gets you to the throne room. But what we've made it about is about the worship. It's about what the the airplane looks like. It's about what we travel on. It's about are we traveling first class? Do we get a meal with this flight? Do we get the the nice neck thing to help me keep my head up when I go to sleep? We make it about everything else but the presence of God. When he simply is saying, listen, if you knew, it's all about my presence. Because if you experience my presence, it changes everything about you. 
it'll change everything about you. And what happens is we oftentimes practice self-worship. Because we come in and we say, worship team, entertain me. Pastor, entertain me. The Lord told me this one time. He said, every time that we walk in a service, one of two things are happening. You're either having an, a seed planted of information that you didn't know, or you're having something that was watered in the past added to so that you yield fruit from that plant, from that seed. So with one of those two things happening, listen, every time that we come into church, we play a part in that equation. So if the pastor is preaching something you don't like, listen, you play a part of that equation because were you feeding yourself before that moment? That's a tough pill to swallow, right? A lot of times we get into church and go, man, I've heard this message. I've been this, I've been here before. But the fact of the matter is, is that we play a part in that equation. Why? Because are we yielding fruit in that area that God wants us to yield? Because if not, then we are a part of that equation that equals what we're getting in that meal from that service. And so God says, I need you to continue to be in my presence. I need you to continue experiencing what I have. I need you to continue because when we're there, there wouldn't be a tumor that could exist if we walked in the building with a tumor. It couldn't exist in the presence of God if we worship God that way. Why? Because he would inhabit the praises of his people in such a raw form that stuff would fall off when we walk in the building. Because where God is, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom. So if we experience freedom in its rawest form, anyone who walked past would experience freedom. Peter experienced freedom so well that people would touch his shadow and it would fall off of him. If we as the body of Christ would worship the Lord in spirit and in truth this way, that thing would fall off of us in a moment. Everybody say point three. You with me? Listen. Point three is the stewardess. I'm going to practice my voice again. Get ready. Good afternoon. We will be landing in 20 minutes. Be careful when you stand up because some of your luggage may have shifted. Listen, God wants to exchange everything that you have for everything that he has. While you're in class, your luggage, your life shifts on purpose because God wanted you to get to that moment. He wanted you to be there at that moment. He wanted you to experience that moment so that in the exchange, what you carried in, he carries out. What you brought in with you, he takes with him as you leave. See, the fact is, is that when we worship, 
we're worshiping in perfection. One of the things that you can do as you worship is perfection. Why? Because God created us to worship. And we're one of the only things in this earth that can worship. Praise everything can do. The Bible talks about the waves praising the Lord, the trees praising the Lord, the rocks, the animals praising the Lord. But worship, he reserved that for his children. Worship, he reserved that for you because he cared about you so much, because he wants that exchange to happen. Everything else doesn't get an exchange, but you get an exchange in worship in connection with the Father that he takes what you have and exchanges it for what he can give you. It's the only place. We're the only people. We're the only children who get to experience the Lord that way. And so we operate in perfection. Why? Because that was what you were created to do. I could go home and take my remote control for my TV, the clicker, and use it as a hammer. I mean, it might work. You might have a good, strong remote control. I don't know. You might have a Zenith. I don't know why I said Zenith. I just, it just popped in. You might have a Zenith, and Zenith could be making great controllers with great plastic. And it may get the nail in. But what, was it created to do that? No. When you operate in what you were created to do, you're operating in an element of perfection. So if you're wondering where God wants you to go and wants you to do, and where you should, whether or not you should take that job, and whether or not you should go here and do that, listen, you need to operate in perfection more often because in perfection, he'll tell you those secret moments. Why can he tell you those secret moments? Because he trusts you with his secrets. And he can't trust you with his secrets until he knows your voice and you know his. So you get in the secret place with him and he speaks to you. And he talks to you. And he trusts you with secrets. And he trusts you with what he can tell you so that you can carry them out of that meeting. Point four, the band could get ready. Can have the band come up? Can you guys give it up for the band? Man, I love Matt. He's got cool shoes on. I was looking for some of those. I was like, listen, that's $160. I can't. My wife right now, listen, we're pregnant with one more baby. Praise the Lord. We're, we're going to be outnumbered with three, so pray extra for us. But in this moment, listen, point four, I need you to know this. Point four is this. Is that Jesus waits for you. In moments where everyone else is giving you strike three. In moments where everyone else has counted you out and said you're not worth it. In moments where everyone else, listen, has said your sin is too great 
for what you're called to do. The thing is, is that I was looking at some of these moments in our lives. In Mark chapter 11, verse 23, God says, if you would say to this mountain, if you would say to this mountain, if you would open your mouth and speak to this mountain, be thou cast into the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, you shall have whatsoever you say. That word adversity, when you look at the word adversity, adversity looks like a mountain. When adversity comes against us, and adversity looks like something that's insurmountable that we can't beat, Jesus is waiting to address your adversity because he sits at the well in the middle of the day at 12 o'clock knowing that only the people that come are going to be people who aren't worth it to everyone else. He could have came early and he could have met everyone else. If he wanted the numbers, he would have been there at 9 o'clock, but he came there at 12 o'clock because he wanted to speak to someone specific. And so when he got there at 12 o'clock, he was waiting, and Jesus, being the well, the spring of life, being water, didn't need water from her. But he went there to address her supernatural, because she was coming in the natural, saying, I've got adversity. He said to her, listen, I need you to go home and get your husbands. She said, I don't have a husband. I've got five of them. And then in that moment, he knew she had five. When he said that to her, she only thought of her adversity. Listen, I need you to get this. Your adversity is only reason for advertisement for Jesus. For everyone else who sees you, for everyone else who walks past that well, for everyone else who comes in contact, that's Jesus' advertisement that says, I am all you need in your life. Before I got here, God was saying to me about some people that are dealing with some sort of adversity that they're looking at and say, I don't know how I'm going to get around it. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. But I know that Jesus, I need to get a hold of you because you're the only one that can get through that. God, I need you today with every head bowed and eyes closed. If that's you today, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to stand up because we're going to agree and pray that this is the moment where God meets your adversity with his supernatural capability. Father, I thank you in this moment that every mountain that seems insurmountable in the lives of your children are yet molehills because of who you are. If that's you on the count of three, I just need you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. Come on. And when you stand, shoot your hand straight up. And I need you to expect. I need you to expect. I need you to expect for your life, for your family, for your children. I need you to expect that Jesus came here to meet you right where you are. To meet you right in this spot. You right now, Lord, that every adversity is yet a molehill through your power, through your plan, through your promise. God, I thank you for every couple that's standing. I thank you for every man that's
Everybody in this room, come on and give God a shout of praise. 